Hello, fellow songwriters. Welcome to this bonus episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast. I've been wanting to interview Hellas, the winner of the Gear Gods 200K songwriting contest, since he won, but I decided to take this opportunity to do it, to hit him up, because I'm doing a video where I break down the song and go through it and see why it works and all of that. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, go ahead and check out the video on the YouTube channel, which will include parts of this interview as well. Today's episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast is sponsored by me and my songwriting course, Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting. If you're like most guitar players, you have hundreds of riffs lying around and very few completed songs. Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting is all about how you can take little musical ideas like a riff and turn it into a complete final track with all the trimmings. So head over to howsongsaremade.com for more on that. Hellis, dude, what's up? Not much, man. Talk to you. It's all good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm a bit tired, but um, I've been drinking some coffee, so um, I think we're good to go. Long day in the coal mines of Sweden. Yeah, exactly. It's cold. It's cold. Oh, yeah. Here I am thinking it's... uh... It's a little chilly in LA in LA but it's 66 degrees. I don't know what that is in uh, Celsius but it's uh it's it's most people would say like oh that's pretty like nice and warm. <laughs> and I'm like Ugh. yeah it's like minus 6 degrees Celsius outside. I mean it's not super cold but it's um you know enough to to make you shiver a bit. But the thing is that I'm actually from the northern parts of Sweden. Um, I, I've only oh. lived in Stockholm for six years or so. Yeah, I'm from a small town. It's called Arvidsjaur. And um, it's like a 12-hour drive north of Stockholm. It's just a bunch of forests and um, it's always cold and a lot of snow. And then in summer, it's a lot of forest, uh, cold, but a lot of mosquitoes. So we just, you know, change place with snow and mosquitoes. But there's plenty of room to build the biggest igloo that you want. How, whatever size igloo. I love the igloos. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, sounds like an upgrade. Yep. I haven't been to Stockholm yet. I spent a week in the birthplace of Mellow Death. Gothenburg. Gothenburg. Thank you. <laughs> how, how do you forget a name like that? <laughs> it literally starts with the word goth. And I had a great time there. I love Gothenburg. I uh, tried those electric scooters for the first time, yeah, and I was hooked, dude. I spent the whole week scooting from place to place. I I took like I think one Uber or maybe two the whole week that I was there. The rest of the time, I took the scooter. Like it was one of the most fun and terrifying things that I've ever done. Uh, if you, ha- I don't know if you have them in Scott Stockholm, but yeah, yeah, I mean, they're lying everywhere. Uh, I mean, I'm surprised that there aren't more, you know, casualties. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it's very dangerous. Yeah, I know. Like people, like from, they've been drinking all day, and then like, ah, oh, I'm just gonna take a you know, boy. I, I'm pretty surprised that um, there aren't more regulations. But yeah, I've never driven one, so I can't, you know, speak for it myself. But um, I gotta try it. I guess. Yeah. Well, first of all. Congratulations on winning the contest. Well-deserved. Thank you, thank you. I mean, I have spent the last few days doing a deep dive on your song, bro. Um, And going through all of it, all the different layers that you sent over. Even just hearing it the first time, 
it was stuck in my head for days. Now I'm never going to get it out because I've just been listening to it over and over again, each little part of it. It's for sure one of the top catchiest things I've ever heard in my life. Thank you. Thank you. I had to hit you up and get a little bit of insights into, well, into you um, and also about the song, how you went about it, what your... Uh, what you were going for, how you how you did it. Yeah. I gotta know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause I want to <laughs> hit that level of catchy and uh just me- super ultra memorable songwriting. And um so let's get a little bit of basic information about about Hellas, about Anton Helgren. First of all, how old are you? I turned 29 like uh, two weeks ago. So um, I'm one year away from the big 3 Oh, yeah. Be- yeah. So practically dead. Got so it. practically dead, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you'd have told me you were 17, I would have believed you. Um, so congratulations. Yeah. That's Sweden, though. That's Swedish genes. Yeah. But that, that's the pop genes, you know. Everybody, but everybody in Sweden loves pop. You know, it's like you can see some long-haired death metal dude walking down the street, and I just like dancing queen. Da, da, da. <laughs> that's like you know that that's the way it goes. Ah, oh, that's so great. Well, that actually makes pretty good sense. My favorite band of all time is Amaranth. Yeah, and they're like equal parts like electro, synthy, dance pop, and metal. And yeah from Gothenburg. Yeah. How long have you been writing songs for? I mean, practically my entire life. But I think around 13 is when I really started to um, actually think about songwriting and structure and stuff like that. Um, and um, when I started to write music, it was, you know, it was kind of a mishmash between like Metallica and Iron Maiden, um, which are two influences for my childhood. And because I, I played in a couple of bands, you know, when I was younger, and uh, that was the thing that we did. So um, I think around that time is when I started to to really g- get into song- songwriting. And then, you know, it, it has changed so much over the years, you know, um, like me writing pop music has, it's like, I, I guess in the last 10 years or so, I, I remember like, because I only listened to like progressive death metal and, you know, Opeth and all that stuff. Until I was like 18. And then one of my friends, he uh, recommended Nickelback to me. And I was like, yeah, man, this is great. <laughs> so, and after that, I was like, hmm, I started to. So, Nickelback was my gateway drug into pop music, I would say. <laughs> even though. That's even, so funny because some pe- for some people, it's the other way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> They like they're like oh this is super heavy yeah what else you got what other <laughs> what other heavy music exists yeah and and you know so that's funny you went the other way yeah it's a they're they're just a tunnel yeah in both directions you can go from one to the other or whatever I love Nickelback you know it's like it's not super original I mean the lyrics are pretty cringe but I mean yeah it it's it's Good stuff. You're right. It's good super on the nose. Yeah. Like really just very straightforward, incredibly catchy. Yeah. And the production is off the goddamn chain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like the Chris Lord Aldi mixes. It's good stuff. It's real hard. Yeah. I have studied the music production a couple of times. You know, like I started to... Um, I think it was around uh, when I was 16. I think the the American equivalent is uh, like high school, perhaps. 
I studied music and then I went on to other schools. And the most recent one is a school called Musikmakarna, which is, uh, it, it's, the translation is the music makers. Um, and it's a really cool school. Um, and um, it's a school that has very close ties to the music industry as a whole, both in Sweden and in the, like the world, because we have a lot of um, you know A and R people and stuff like that coming in from you know like Warner, Universal, and yeah, Sony and all other uh, record labels. So they were at the school and they were listening to our stuff, um, and we also uh, wrote music uh, on leads. That was um, aimed at certain artists, so we. Uh, it was a great experience. It's a fantastic school. I, I highly recommend wow. it to every everyone who's who lives in Sweden and and the right music and uh, does production. It's fantastic. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. So so you studied music and production formally, then. So in a in a couple different places, you're saying. Yeah, that's great. Do you think that? that's something that anyone or everyone should do if you're if you're trying to become a musician that's kind of a honestly a a a sticking point for a lot of people i think especially in like rock or metal or heavier genres they they think it's gonna like i don't know kill their creativity or something that's the one that i always hear and that's of course bullshit but like i'm curious to know also as someone who uh, who has a music degree, went, studied uh, as much as I possibly could. What do you think? I mean, I'm pro, you know, going to school and trying to learn as much as possible. You know, here in Sweden, it's fantastic because it's free. So, uh, I mean, if you have the chance, then do it. I mean, it's, of course, uh, another story if you have to pay for it. I don't know how much the tuition is, is for going to schools like that but i'm i'm highly... yeah, too goddamn much yeah before. i can i can't imagine i mean there, there are a couple of schools in sweden that has like the same yeah they're like music production schools that cost money as well and i was looking into it and i was like really no 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 <laughs> no hell no if i can get it for free i mean that's why i pay taxes for folks sake. exactly so, so it's like <laughs> a lot of taxes yeah 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 i'm yeah. A, i'm a socialist deep down no, yeah but um <laughs> No, I mean, going to schools, it, it's, I mean, the, the most important part, I think, is just connecting with other people and, and like, building friendships and seeing how, like, one, every, every connection can get you somewhere that you wouldn't be able to get otherwise. So I think, like, that is probably the most important part of going to school, just connecting to people and not being stuck in your bedroom or, you know, just writing music, even though that's great as well. But if you want to, uh, you know, elevate your music, you have to kind of, you, I mean, you have to take help from other people, you know, in learning and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I'm super for for um, people going to school as long as they can and for as cheap as possible. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Glad to glad to hear it. First of all, the, uh, the only two quotes that I'm going to use from this whole thing are, I love Nickelback and I'm a socialist. I'm going to put those <laughs> as the headline. And people are going to be so mad. Yes. Fuck. That would be so funny. If I was like, all right, now let's talk to Hellas. And it was just like, I love Nickelback. I'm a socialist. Great. Thanks, Hellas. Oh, let's, uh, yes. I'm, I'm sorry. I won't do that to you. That is fine. You can do that all you want. It makes perfect sense that uh, you're Swedish. You have beautiful hair and a beautiful singing voice and you can play the guitar. Uh, but I see some, I see some drums behind you. Do you play drums too? Well, actually, this is, um, 
this is both our studio and our rehearsal rehearsal place. Oh, okay. So uh, because I'm writing music for myself as Hellis, but I also play in a band called Saintly, uh, and we are we have a bunch of songs out on Spotify. So I play guitar and okay. and sing backup vocals there, and also do. Uh, uh, the majority of the writing and mixing and yeah the recording part so uh, we we have this place to you know it's fantastic to have access to record live drums and all of that so i'm not playing drums but the drummer that is here and plays in saintly is also called anton so we have to you know <laughs> nicknames is a must which one of you is anton 1 and which one's anton 2 well, he he is uh, two years older than me, so um, he he ah. um, he is Anton number one. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, we have this place. It's a uh, it's a quite small room in a building with a lot of um, uh, smaller room like this. So um, you know, I was a bit afraid that like there are a lot of drummers here, drummers here, and they like to practice their fucking blast beat. When I'm recording <laughs> vocals, <laughs> so it's like it's always blast beats. But but it's a fun place to be. I mean, like uh, I think Dark Funeral, it's some some black metal band. They were rehearsing here. Like they're not just some black metal band. <laughs> well, if you're gonna listen to blast beats, like while you're recording vocals, Dark Funeral's the band to do it. <laughs> they have the hardest hitting blast beats I've ever he- heard in my life. That guy hits crazy hard. But, anyway, but Trey, I love Dark Funeral. But, but Trey, uh, I w- I, the only thing that I wanted to do was to eat my lunch in peace. But I was like, I, I came out of the studio, I walked to the kitchen, I was like, oh man, this, my new groovy pop funk song is fantastic. And then I sit down and eat my pasta and I, all I can hear is Dark Funeral. <laughs> it's like, Holy shit. oh my God. I, uh, I understand. I know, I know what that's like. Um, some t- yes, sometimes a shared space is great. And sometimes it sucks. Yeah, but it's fantastic to be here, um, like this hours, you know, um, past ten. Then uh, usually people just um, scooch away, so I can be here for myself. That's nice. So usually, like recording nice. vo- vocals is is um, either like early in the morning or late at night. Um, the problem with recording early is like you hitting high notes. It's not exactly ideal. No. I can't hit any notes in the morning. No, not. I can barely talk, much less sing. <laughs> but um, so that's all pretty cool uh, to hear about your your journey, um, sort of from metal into pop. Yeah. Um, hilariously backwards from from many people. But um, I I've done sort of a similar thing without. Uh, I mean, I mostly still listen to metal, but now I also listen to a lot of pop. Yeah. Um, and you know, like it's, I just want to be able to take something from everything. Um, but I do think that pop has in a lot of ways, very superior songwriting to metal, um, which I think has the more powerful sound. I like the sound of metal much better, Yeah. but pop songwriting is a craft of its own. Yeah, absolutely. And you seem to have it down pretty solidly um all the way around i mean i've only heard the one song of yours so i don't know maybe the rest of them suck maybe this was a fluke but (laughs) that seems very unlikely who knows seems like if you could do this you'd be able to do it again first of all i'm curious to know 
Is Hellas a brand new thing? I can't find anything about you anywhere except on SoundCloud. Yeah. Where I had to like, I had to be like, bro, you need a profile picture. <laughs> it's just a, an H. Yeah. Now, Hellas is a pretty new thing. Like the last two years has more been focused on uh, Saintly. And of course, I'm still doing that. And uh, we're going to continue to write stuff and record and play live and all of that. Um, this project is just like a, a thing for me to be able to uh, like express myself as a vocalist, try out cool stuff, be a bit fearless with uh, what I write. I mean, most of it is going to be, you know, pop-inspired rock and like the other way around with, with a bit of R&B and other stuff. But it's def- definitely a new thing, uh, and I'm I'm working on it. I um, just released a cover song on um, Instagram. I, I did a cover of uh, "Shape of My Heart," so I'm gonna like uh, continue continue to do content around my original music, just to like um, you know put it up on TikTok and stuff like stuff like that to perhaps you know get some attention from there um, because that's the thing you know original music is amazing, but it's sometimes hard to get people to like give a shit about it because it's not something that they recognize so I'm, I'm trying to do like all kinds of different stuff you know writing my own stuff doing downscaled versions that fits better for like you know a tiktok or instagram or something like that and yeah just trying to do as much as possible pretty much um but um yeah that's the move yeah so I'm right now. I'm, I'm thinking about you know ideas for music videos and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I haven't really figured out everything myself. I'm I'm I, I I take it day by day and see what I feel like. Pretty much. Well, you're you're kicking it off pretty good, considering you can now put award-winning songwriter Hellas <laughs> yeah. like right out the gate yes like your first press release can say that on it so that's great very excited to hear where you're going to go from here and uh, to see your social media grow and um have some you know uh, like I literally didn't even know what you looked like yeah. I there was no way for you know um so when you turned on the camera I was like it was like who's what's this guy even gonna look like <laughs> is he gonna be 500 pounds is he gonna be uh, um you know uh, or whatever. I'm sure that would have been that would have been great. But here you are, as as you are, and uh, it'll be it'll be cool for the world to to see you and hear more of you. Yeah. So now I wanna I wanna dive into wishing well because yeah. obviously that's why we're here. So the first thing I want to know is how did you go about writing it? Where did what was the first seed of inspiration that started um, what would eventually become the song, and how did you develop it? Uh, well, um, it, it started pretty much like um, like it always does with me when I when I'm writing music. You know, I'm sitting down like this with a with a microphone, with a MIDI keyboard, and just uh, you know trying to play a couple of chords and see if I can uh, like find anything that I enjoy. Because usually it's like if I find a chord progression that I like, but I can't write the melody over it in like a couple of minutes, then I usually just go buy it and, and try something new. Um, I work pretty fast pace when it comes to um, melodies and chord progressions. So it's like, well, this doesn't work. Throw that, take this, and just try everything at once. Pretty much, it's it's a bit uh, chaotic in the in the beginning, um, but that was basically it. You know, I started to um, to, to just um, uh, write the chords and then the melodies on top of that, 
and just re- record like a demo vocal of it because I never start any production before um, I have the chords and the like a demo vocal because otherwise it's I don't know how much place uh, like the drums can take and the gu- guitars and everything like that. Usually, like guitars is the always the last thing that that I record because I want to make sure that it, it supports the vocal melodies and it, it it does what it's supposed to do. You know, I, I hate when guitars just come in and like ruin the entire vibe of of a vocal. It's like no, no. But we love to do that. If we didn't do that, we wouldn't have a job at all. Yeah, I mean, exactly. We wouldn't. We wouldn't have anything to do. We're there to to take up as much sonic space as possible. Yeah, and just shit all over everything. But that's the thing. Like um, with with a lot of the music that I'm that I'm writing, you know, it's I, I love keyboards. I love synthesizers, um, uh, and. Uh, when I love you know big like real big chords you know just not like just my minor and major triads you know adding like a bunch of cool spicy extra notes here and there and like making it fun and more I mean interesting um, and um, if I have like the the bass is the synthesizers then. I usually just do like power chords on the side with with the guitars or stuff like that because I'm not a huge fan of uh, you know big distorted guitars playing like you know minor seven augmented chords and stuff like that. It's like yeah, sometimes it, it's pretty cool, but usually I, I I'll keep that to something a bit more clean. You had some pretty big chords on this one on the guitar. If I learn them right, it's a jam session. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. You're not going to be able to hear me, so you're going to have to look. Yeah. But unless I'm wrong, I thought I heard G6. Is that a six? Just so you know. No, that's a nine. That's an add nine. I'm, I'm crazy. So that's a G add nine, right? Was the first chord? You know, I have no idea. <laughs> my my <laughs> knowledge about music is like, yeah, I mean, I know uh, minor and major chords and like... Um, well, did it look like this is the main thing? <laughs> Was it like a D over G kind of? Th- yeah, I think so. Why don't you just play it and show me? But I think, yeah, exactly. Like the, the start, the first. And then, like just a basic. Was it really? Yeah. That can't be right. I, th- I swear to God, I heard, you really just played this? That can't be right. But it's uh, it's not just one guitar. It's uh, also like a clean guitar underneath. I don't know if I sent... Maybe that's what was that had the spicy notes on it. That means I fucked up in the video that I just shot for it. Um, <laughs> okay, so it's probably an amalgam of everything that I'm hearing then, yeah. uh, along with uh, the the synth chords and stuff. Yeah, man, maybe it's yeah. But that's a that's kind of a problem when you have a guitar part that has a lot of notes in it. Mm. Is that it's kind of it's kind of muddy and indistinct and hard to hear everything that's going on. Yeah, because like the, okay. the chord that. that that the keyboard is playing is more like uh, it's a, a, okay. a minor, major seven. seven. Ma- major seven, exactly. So that was okay. like the sound that um, that I was going for, and like trying to write something for the car- guitar just to like uh, emphasize it a bit more. Okay, cool. I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're watching this video now, and uh, the thing that I said in the beginning is a, it's just not right on what's uh, going on in the guitar, but and then it's a B. Um, so you, the majority of it uh, is those three chords, yeah. but then there are two 
big spicy changes in there. There's two, um, what I would call basically modal interchange chords, but uh, I'm curious how, how you look at them or if you think of them a certain way. If I um, remember correctly, I, I think I was writing the, the melody for, for the pre-chorus and uh, sometimes, you know, you listen to the part a couple of times and you feel like you know, something has to change. So I, I guess the only thing that I did was like I, I switched up the melody at the end of the pre-chorus just a tiny bit. So I was able to fit that chord in. I, I think it's like a C, what, what is it? Well, at the, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a, it goes to a C at the end of the pre-chorus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, C major 7. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, of some but, kind but a lot of times it's just like it comes pretty natural it's like with, with writing music in general it's when you get the main idea it everything becomes like a blur and it's like you sit for like five hours straight and like just you don't know what you're doing pretty much it's like oh. <laughs> um, so I don't think that those uh, decisions are super like uh, I'm not thinking about it too much it's more like I like I just feel like something has to change. But as you say, like it, it's pretty much only three chords. Um, and the only thing that's different between the chorus and the verse is the duration of the, of the chords. Like they're uh, double the length in the verse and double the shortness in the chorus. I, I can't speak <laughs> English very well. <laughs> Half the length, I guess. Yeah. Um, double the shortness. That's double the shortness. Double the shortness. The Hellas story. Yes. Now available on paperback. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, okay. Did you, um, so I noticed that I talked about that in the video a little bit. Mm? That's a pretty cool move. Did you do that? Uh, once again, did you do that sort of consciously? Did you go, did you think like, huh, this might be cool. Maybe if I doubled the length of each of the chords or was it, or did it just kind of happen or what? Yeah, that, that was actually a conscious decision because I remember when I wrote when I wrote the melody for the chorus, uh, it was actually over the, the verse chords, which are longer. Um, but something didn't feel right. It didn't feel as bouncy, I guess. So uh, I just tried to, to do that. And that that's uh, um, like a songwriting trick that I've been doing for years. Just like if you only have three chords and, you know, you can change like where they start in, on each, each measure. Uh, like stuff like that, you know, um, if you have three chords, there's a lot of things that you can do with three chords, but um, yeah, that's, that thing is something that I pull out of the bag a lot of times, just like uh, changing the, the length of the chords and, and so on and so forth. That's a, that's a great trick. I think that is... Yeah. Um, it's super absolutely. simple and it works like every time I am uh, that's one that I I'm not sure that I've ever tried that and now like you just you just gave me a nugget a golden nugget I'm gonna I'm gonna try that out yeah um super handy um folks at home I encourage you to try this as well it's uh wow just like one easy way to take your three basic three chord song and make it feel completely different. I didn't even notice it until I like went in and really started analyzing what was going on in the song. And now I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, if you have a, uh, like a simple song, it's like a verse and then a pre-chorus and a chorus like, uh, okay, have uh, the verse in, in like double the length of the chords and then shorten it in the pre-chorus. And then like, 
the on the chorus you can like start on the syncopation or stuff like that uh, it's so much that you can do just with like the rhythm and the the length of, of course it's it's amazing it's truly amazing so yeah yeah i oh, when it comes to like um, changing stuff i always go for the easy stuff first before i start to like oh, i'm just gonna add like uh, the string orchestra and you know all of that <laughs> stuff go with the basic first that's number one rule don't uh, don't overcomplicate awesome all right I will take that to heart very much so. So what is Wishing Well about? You're like, it's about a wishing well, jackass. It's in the title. Exactly. No, for real. Exactly. <laughs> for real. I've been I've been over your lyrics a lot and I really love them. I'm very curious to know what you wrote it about. I mean, lyrics is always the thing that takes the longest time. I'm a Swedish, as you might hear, you know. It's a bit of a hassle to, to be able to <laughs> to make something make sense for like someone like you who speak English and someone like me who who pretty much don't. But usually it starts with a, a title, you know. I, I need to have um, like somewhat of an idea for for the song. And um, when I wrote the, the melody that the, the end part, the, like the hook part of the chorus, I knew that like I wanted the title to be there. I, I wanted it to be like, if you have a poster, there it is, like bottom of a wishing well. I like to, you know, look at lyrics as, you know, it should be able to like fit on a poster or, or something like that, like a movie poster. So I was just like singing it and uh, all of a sudden that, because I, I had a wishing well from like, you know, on the cell phone you have like 1,000 uh, like cool title ideas and I was looking through yep. it and like, oh, wishing well, okay, that, okay, maybe you can work with that. And pretty much that's where it came from. And then it became this, uh, this story about a relationship, a, a relationship. And um, I don't know, I mean, some of it is, is from personal experience and other parts of it is just like, you know, thrown in there for a good measure, I guess. That, that's usually how I write. I wouldn't say that this is the most personal uh, lyric that I've written, but I, I, mean, I still like it. Because I just like, when you have a hook that just it sits so well, then, then um, that almost means more to me than me trying to write something that extremely personal because usually that doesn't work well like i i like to give songs meaning after i've written them if i'm like trying to sit and write about i don't know someone who's passed away it's it's, it's just going to be like a big writer's block i'd rather just you know look at the song and like what 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 is this about like a month after it's done pretty much so, um, but but I know it's, I mean, it is a pretty straightforward pop lyric, I guess. You know, it's a relationship song. And also, like, I'm using a lot of, um, like, water um, um, metaphors, you know, beneath the waves and surface and stuff like that, you know. Just uh, going through the source the, <laughs> the a couple of times and seeing what you can find. But it's uh, it's definitely a, a, a challenge for me to write good lyrics. I think um, just because I'm um, it doesn't feel supernatural to write, even though I'm somewhat okay at it. But um, that's definitely something that I want to be better at. 
But the thing is that it's all also the thing that gets me like most inspired when I uh, when I come up with something that that I think sounds really cool and and I write it down on my phone and then it, like one year passes and I'm like. I have no idea how I'm supposed to fit this into a song. It's like, it's almost impossible. Uh, so I like it when when um, when I write the melody and like instantly it, like something just comes up and it fits well. Then that's that's just magic. That's the best feeling. It sounds like you are at a point where you trust your intuition really well. You trust your musical your uh yeah your musical intuition to give you things and you're not overthinking it you're not overcomplicating it um and you're forming it into these songs like wishing well and yeah um but you're also uh the the fact that you mentioned the thesaurus is big for me because i love a thesaurus i love a rhyming dictionary and what's the other one uh like i use a like a word like a related words generator a lot of the time yeah just to give me like a vocabulary to work with that's around the um the topic that i'm talking about and it um i like i noticed that you used a lot of these water metaphors and and that really ties it together for me and really gives it a um a layer of intricacy on the um in the song that's really in the lyrics that um a lot of people will miss you know that there's a lot of there's a lot of levels to lyrics um making them not terribly cringy is is the first thing to do you know make <laughs> i've um, listened to nickelback you know um, <clears throat> <laughs> making them not necessarily personal but like meaningful telling a story something that you care about in some way any kind of deeper meaning than just a grocery list yeah. or whatever yeah. and then um, there's the imagery aspect of it. And that's what you're talking about with the water and water words yeah, yeah. <laughs> and different different types of water. Um, you know, you're like waves and <laughs> islands on, in the beach, beach on an island and rivers, a Surface. sound, different, just different words for bodies of water. Yeah, just exactly. list them all. Fuck, fuck <laughs> anything rhyming or sounding good or being about anything. But yeah, you use them in a way that makes perfect sense to me, you know, and you used it to help tell the story. So um, I think that's, that's great. Um, I think it worked out really, really well for this song, obviously. So um, when it comes to the instrumentation and stuff, how did you come up with the synth parts or how do you structure them, I guess? Um, Is there anything that you did particular? Uh, I think with the synth, um, uh, like the main rhythm of the entire song was pretty much based around it was a synth patch in um in a synth called spire and uh, that really inspired me because it already had this like built-in uh, rhythm so we just played one chord and then it started to like jump around uh, so I, I started to work with that to see if i could find something that would like yeah would fit the song well uh, so that was pretty much the the starting point starting point for like the entire entire structure of the song so i based like the drums around that rhythm and the, the, the guitars and the bass as well so the synthesizer was very important for the song and like when it comes to drums you know um i wanted this song to be kind of a amalgamation of you know a, a rock song with pop and r&b influences like my intention it was never to make the drums sound like you know a, a real drummer playing it it was just like i like uh, it was like I think it's 
Abbey Road's native instruments uh, drum kit. Um, so it's organic drums, but it's to a grid, you know. Um, so it sounds, um, to me, it, it doesn't sound organic and it's not really supposed to do that either. I, I kind of like that in a way, um, even though even though I, I love, you know, having a great drummer, drummer play a you know, great beat that's not on a grid. That's, you know, fantastic as well. But with this song, with it being, you know, like a yeah, kind of rock R&B song, I want it to be a bit static, I guess. Um, but using using the sounds from like like the soundscape of rock, but keeping it like in this R and B realm, so to speak. Yeah, for the bass, I play the bass myself, uh, and also like I, it's quantized, so it's like super on on lock with uh, every every uh, every kick drum hit and all of that. Um, but I still wanted to be. I knew pretty early that I didn't want a synth bass because I, I, I tried it actually, but I couldn't really get the same like bounce in um, in the beat with with a synth bass. Sometimes it works, sometimes it just doesn't. So I decided to play it myself. Um, I'm not a fantastic bass player, but I mean it uh, it's super fun to play and um, it's easier to give the bass like small you know human nuances when you're playing it yourself. Uh, instead of just programming it, and you always get these fantastic blisters on your finger. That's fantastic. Also, <laughs> it's like I, I've been you, playing bass for you a long. You can't program blisters on your fingers. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've been p- playing bass for quite a long time, but it's like every time. I mean, my fingers never like get better. Always, you know, this huge blister on my fingers. So then I like I can't play guitar for a you know, week and so. It's uh, it's just poop. So you had to really want it. You had to really want that real bass on yes. there to do it. Yes, that to be worth it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I I think I tried with, with like um, um, the Rickenbacker native instrument also, and that, it sounds like a real bass, but it yes, yeah, it didn't sound sound too good. I think so. I um, yeah, played the bass myself, and then um, so. As I said earlier, the the last part of the song was pretty much the guitars. Uh, I recorded the the main like the the real vocals that's on the final product uh, before I recorded the guitars, just to make sure like everything is in place and um, the vocals are where they need to be. Uh, because I'm pretty sure that if I had recorded guitars before there would have been guitars in the first verse or like more guitar because the only th- only guitar is like this it's like this clean low pass filter reverb guitar like in the background and that i think that worked out great but i know that if i w- would have started to play guitar it would have been like shanky riffs on the verse as well so that's <laughs> why i just let like uh, the singing and the story guide me in some way with what to do with the instrumentation but like the synthesizers, they're pretty much static throughout the entire song. It's like, yeah, it's a low-pass filter on the verses. With the guitars, you know, um, I recorded all like the, the, the heavy guitars, you know. I like to do that first. Like take the, the heavy guitars, do that first, because that's the least fun for me, I think. The, the, the most fun is like this like twiddly-diddly, noodly stuff. Like the solos and the, like in the pre-chorus, it's some extra guitars doing like just 
uh, one note rhythm things in the background and uh, you know stuff like that that that's the fun part i think the the big huge stuff it's it's nice as well i like the the smaller twiddly diddly guitar guitar stuff i was pretty sure that i was going to write like a new part for like a new middle eight uh, the bridge part but it just didn't work i don't know why it's like my my inspiration just ran dry so i decided oh hey you know why yeah guitar solo that's great just so that that was like the last thing i was like oh, okay fuck it i can't you know write a middle eight to save my life so okay a guitar solo hmm. well it worked it's a really good solo it's super tasty <laughs> thank you those are the kinds of solo that that I like to play, or like uh, that I'm able to play. I would say I'm, when I when I grew up, you know, listening to John Petrucci and stuff like that, uh, trying to do all these crazy sweeps. I, I never really got it to perfection. You know, it uh, I can do like a three string sweep if I'm you know have a gun pointed to towards my head, but usually I I stay within the realm of like pentatonic scales and uh, you know sometimes venture a bit outside when I when I feel when I feel spicy. But uh, yeah, that's also a thing with uh, guitar solos. I like solos that are a bit more simple and that people actually can sing along to. That's uh, usually a big part for me, like having every part being being able to uh, be a sing-along moment, so to speak. Have have like a, a melody and everything. That's that's very important for me. I think you achieved that. I learned your solo, and it was it's not easy. Like you're making it seem like it's just like oh yeah, it's just kind of this pentatonic <laughs> thing. It's not. I mean, it's not. You know, it's not Ingve, but it's yeah. It's like. It took me a bit to get it. Um, and more than anything else, I think it has really good phrasing. It's very memorable and melodic, like you're saying. It's got some tricky little things in there. And it's it's pretty fast. It's not... Um, it's, you know, you've got a couple spots in there. Like, you did this slide thing that I was like, wait a second. <laughs> that feels like a bit much. Um, and I think it's... More than anything else, it fits the song very well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it would be would feel quite out of place just to go like full John Petrucci in in the middle of that. So the only thing that I did with the production was basically just uh, take out all the distorted guitars and let it just be drums, bass, and synthesizers, and then have the solo. Because I like that as well. You know, with bands that only have one guitar player, so when uh, the solo hits, then it's just. That that's the only guitar part that you're gonna hear, so you can focus on it. Uh, I you know, it, actually, it's funny that you said that, and that you keep bringing up Petrucci on the most recent Dream Theater album. Uh, oh, was it this one or the last one? Well, he talked about it in an in, in an interview, and I didn't even notice until he pointed it out. But he's like, "There's no rhythm guitars underneath any of the solos, so that it'll sound live the way that we do that it does in the studio." And I was like, "Oh." Because I really like that too. I kind of like the the rug being pulled out from under you, so you can really hear what's going on. Um, I mean, I guess I don't really actually do that myself very often, um, but it's uh, it, it helps you to really focus on the melodic element. Really, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I haven't heard the new newer Dream Theory stuff. I'm like you know, images and words. That's pretty much my all-time favorite album. I, I love that so much. And the, one of the things is like, for some reason, like in the last year or so, I've gotten really into like this, you know, digital uh, like plastic sounding synthesizer. I love that so much. Like that's. Um, the entire Images and Words album, you know, it's like the, the plastic, most plastic piano you can ever imagine. It's like, <laughs> it sounds like an infomercial for some, oh, sorry, like some American uh, commercial, you know, from the 90s. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, so I, I'm a big fan of uh, NBA. I watch a lot of basketball uh, and I was watching um, the, the 1996 finals uh, a couple of weeks ago and I love this like uh, tiny commercial breaks and the music that that was played it's i mean it's so nostalgic and it ah it's that's the kind of stuff that I want to incorporate in my music a bit more in the future well at this point man the 90s are are kind of vintage and that sucks because we were both there and alive then which makes me vintage and <laughs> you as well actually yeah. a little bit Oh boy, that's a bit rough. But uh, actually, I I straight up love music from the '90s. I might be completely biased because that's right when I was kind of coming into it, you know, like discovering music that wasn't whatever my parents were listening to. So I'll forever, you know, be locked into that. They say you like, uh, you know, the music you discover from like 10 to 14 is like what shapes what you think music is for the basically for the rest of your life you're kind of stuck in that yeah and yeah. so that was right around let me think about that is that true yeah that yeah right around then like kind of mid to late 90s so i love that shit and um uh actually have you heard uh do you know myrone the guitar player no myrone you should check him out if you like that stuff you will probably love his music he he calls it soft shred and it's basically like uh that era um like synth stuff with uh kind of shreddy guitar on it nice um i uh, i'm yeah, gonna check, check that yeah yeah it's it's something so beautiful and like simple about it uh, uh, the thing is like 90s music and pop music is not simple when you compare it to like modern modern day pop music it's like super advanced chord progressions and like the 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 har- harmonic aspect of it it's it's so deep but i guess that's that combined with the like uh, the new digital uh, sound that was quite bad but pretty good it's like it's so i don't know it makes me feel alive <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i have a, a, a yamaha sy22 synthesizer here it's like it's from 1990 i think and it's like has this uh, everything sounds like shit but it's fantastic shit i have a uh, what is it called Oh, I have a Yamaha TG500, I think, right over here. Yeah. It's got a lot of, uh, I think it's probably from around then. I don't know. It's pretty great. I I, um, I like those kinds of sounds too, so. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, but with, um, exactly the, the thing you said about, um, you know, you, you're, you're getting stuck in, um, like the music that you that you listen to when you, when you gr- grow up. I mean, absolutely, that's like... Uh, I mean, I st- I still come back to Kiss and like listen to, to like their entire discography a couple of times, uh, and you know like Dream Theater and Blind Guardian and uh, like everything, but it's you know 
I, I grew up in a, my parents are bo- both musicians. My father, uh, they're, they're retired, but uh, my father was a, a church musician, so played the organ and uh, conducted choirs and stuff like that. And my mom was um, was a music teacher. So like I got a lot of, you know, like jazz and stuff like that at home, which I didn't really enjoy when I was young, I, I think. But it's something that I, I guess it's like it has snuck into my subconscious when I'm writing music now, like uh, 20 years later or something like that. So it's yeah, it's fast, fascinating how um, some things, yeah, how some things never change, but they do some yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious about, so the only part of the song that for me was not completely crushingly awesome is the ending. It was a little weird, I thought. Um, I'm uh, like, it sort of feels a little bit like you just ran out of steam <laughs> or like didn't know how to end it or what. Like, it's nice. You've got a really n- another nice little tasty kind of rubato solo that's not... It feels like it's ending for sure. You got a, a little vocal ad lib and stuff. Sounds really nice. And then it just kind of ends. And I was like, oh. Where'd it go? Okay, well, tell me about that. Um, well, I I think you nailed it. I ran out of steam, I guess. <laughs> I mean, usually I, I, when it comes to like ending songs, I like to just like, burp, it's done. I mean, take Pull Me Under, for example. That's a fantastic example. It's like, <laughs> I like that. They're just like, yeah, that's enough of that. <laughs> exactly. It's like they ran out of tape. Yeah. <laughs> I could just see the the reel-to-reel just like, <laughs> the, the tape <laughs> the goes floor. off. And the engineer's like, oh, shit. shit. Well, <laughs> guess it ends there. Yeah. Like fade-outs, that's the, oh, I hate fade-outs so much. Preach. Preach it, brother. Oh, my God. I mean, it's it's so stupid. It's like... Why do you want to listen to like half a minute of music that's just getting quieter? I'm like supposed to sing like turn the music up accordingly. <laughs> so, what? No, no. Skip the fade outs. Just I'd rather have like to pull me under. Just just cut the cord, end it. So that that's more of my 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 way of doing things. Just like with intros as well. You know, I try to. Um, like get into the the song or like the vocals pretty early, especially with a song like this, you know, with it being written for a contest. I knew like I can't spend like 35 seconds to like twiddle around. Uh, I need to get into like the the meat of the song like straight away. Oh my God. I wish that everyone who entered the contest had that same attitude because these dude people with these like, like whole minutes of, introducing like three different riffs and then like just well i don't know how much of the contest reaction shit you watched but now what's good lord that shit is so frustrating like glenn calls it intro core i think that's i think that's pretty pretty good and especially because you knew you were writing it for a contest you were able to be like no let's just get right to it if nothing else and and you started off there's a little intro but then you literally go straight to the chorus and it's a pretty, it's a fleshed out chorus. It's not like a, uh, not like a little teaser chorus. It's actually longer than the final chorus, which is like a half chorus. (laughs) I also thought that was a pretty interesting choice. (laughs) But by that point, it was like, I know how it goes. 
So unless you're going to do something like really over the top to make the last chorus very different or exciting, like a key change or, or whatever, then actually that works pretty well. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I, I have nothing against, you know, long intros, but they, they need to serve, serve a purpose. Yeah. I mean, intros are one of the, these things where like, it's, it's hard to make them interesting in some way. No, but you want to start to introduce the, the, the theme, as you say, but not like three themes themes at once. But yeah, you know, I, usually when I write music, it the intro is uh, it's not my priority. You know, the priority is like when the vocal comes in, what is the song? Where is it going? And then so I, I usually take like the intro and out, outro last, pretty much. Just like have the the but but also like then again. I write pop music. I mean, Wishing Well is a pop song. All the music that I write is pretty much pop with with rock influences and stuff like that. That's just the way I write music and it's different for everybody and, you know, so on and so forth. I've written a couple of songs for um, K-pop and J-pop artists. So, like, when you're sending in... um, uh, songs to to be like submit songs for for that you know you have to have the same mindset like you want them to like get into the song straight away because you know that they're listening to a bunch of different songs to like maybe place on an artist or, or something like that so um yeah it, it's important for me just to to get to the song so you're saying that it's hard for you to write lyrics in english do you have to write lyrics in korean and japanese <laughs> no, actually, they, they just uh, um, they just change all the lyrics. Or like the oh, okay. the, the last song that uh, that I was a part of that's uh, released. It's a J-pop band called Johnny's West uh, that released a song called "The Call." I released it on a, an album like last year, I think. Uh, and the the original title was the talk, like you know, we, yeah, baby, we need to have the talk, you know. <laughs> and uh, they just changed it to the call. And the thing is that it's pretty weird. But uh, the 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 Japanese guy who is pretty much just doing a translation of your lyrics and like changing a, a couple of words here and there gets fifty percent of the royalty. So it's like holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, Just for translate. Yeah. It's uh and they're like, yeah, but you know, it's uh, Japanese traditions. I'm like, fuck that. Um so I'm not writing for <laughs> Japan again. Makes you want to learn Japanese like fifty percent. Uh, yep. Uh, it's pretty weird. But it's fun, you know, I I, I listen a lot to K pop like in uh, in a 2013 14 when k-pop was still not as like westernized as it is today with like bts and all of that uh, when it still had more like uh, was more in, uh, experimental i would say if you listen to like old um, like there's a, a k-pop band called exo which they have a bunch of cool stuff uh, from like the um, yeah 13 14 so uh, I, I really like that I mean, the, the industry, it's, yeah, it's questionable sometimes, but um, it, there is some really cool music. That's pretty amazing that you're able to write for people like that. Like, that's a, obviously in pop, the attitude towards writing your own music is a lot different from rock and metal. But I think people would be very surprised to learn how much of a, um, how much outside writing happens and a lot of heavy music and, you know, I think part of it is just that 
a lot of bands that are even really great bands, sometimes they're not necessarily great writers or whatever, or they just need a little bit of help. Some of them need a straight up need a producer or a songwriter to write basically everything for them. And then they just go out on the road and, and play it. Um, but I actually really love the way that it works in pop from my understanding, aside from crazy shit like what you just revealed about a translator <laughs> making <laughs> taking half of your shit a lot of the like collaborative way that people go about it and more than anything else letting the people who are the best at their job do each part of it you know like the artist it's their like Britney Spears can fucking dance and sing at the same time and look beautiful she has to worry about eating right and rehearsing all the time and being on top of her game and and do makeup and hair and all this stuff like a songwriter is only worried about writing the best possible song and they're the best at it and like like I don't know if Britney can write a song but but Max Martin can write a song better so like let Max Martin write the song and let Britney go out and dance and sing it and I think that's smart and efficient what people think about it from an artistic standpoint, of course, is a is a whole different ballgame. But that's really cool to hear that you're um, that you're able to branch out that, even that far for uh, like J-pop and K-pop. That's that's nuts to me. Yeah, there are only so many hours in a day. You know, it's like you have to like decide what you want to become good at because it takes. I mean, when I when I grew up, the only thing that I want, wanted to be, be was like. I want to be the best guitar player in the world. You know, John Petrucci was a huge inspiration for me. And so like that was my my main goal pretty much. Um, but then when I started to get more like heavily involved into songwriting, I realized that like I'm going to become so much better at just writing songs uh, than playing guitar. It was just more natural uh, to me. And um, so I guess I just... It's not like I gave up on guitar playing, but my guitar playing become it became more like a means to an end, you know, having like a vehicle to be able to, you know, say something pretty much instead of like having it as my voice, so to speak. But you know, it's it's nice to be able to pull it pull it out and just get get the job done when it's needed. But um, yeah, I guess I my um, and especially when I when I started to. Um, write pop music because like for the first I don't like three years when I started to write pop music I, I like I didn't touch a guitar pretty much I was like it's only synthesizers from here on out yes and no more guitars <laughs> uh, so like sold every guitar no but I mean it took quite a while to like get get back into playing guitar after like starting to write pop music and be like yeah, actually, I can uh, incorporate this uh, fantastic instrument in some way. But uh, in, in the beginning, I was like, nope, no more guitar, nope. But I guess um, like it's hard to shake the roots, so to speak. You know, uh, it always came came back. You know, all the all the old hard rock and metal that I listened to when I was younger, and I like to like let everything seep into. Uh, like one one big pot, you know, when I'm writing music. Take something from here and there. I mean, I don't think that there's any genre of music in the world where I, where I wouldn't be able to, like, find 
at least one thing that I like, then maybe 99 of the other stuff is crap. But at least one thing I think everyone can find in any genre of music. You and I are very similar. <laughs> I think it makes sense that you won this contest because all of the things that you say, first of all, I'm agreeing with quite a bit. Second of all, your, your sort of uh, journey and influences are hilariously similar. Like I play more guitar probably than you do now, even though I had that kind of same revelation. Like I was like, I am going to be the greatest guitar player who has ever lived. I'm going to spend all of this time. And, you know, I used to practice like eight hours a day. Like it was my whole life for a long time. I'm glad that I did that because like you're saying, like I can drop it like it's hot. Generally, I wish that I could play more, but there was a moment where I was like, oh, I actually want to spend more time writing great songs or that also have good guitar stuff on it. But yeah, I had, I had a very similar, uh, very similar moment. And oh, you, you mentioned Blind Guardian earlier too. Ooh. Petrucci and Blind Guardian are the two that um, made me go like, oh, I want to get really good at the guitar. And it's funny because Blind Guardian has pretty ripping lead guitar, obviously, but it's not, it's not incredibly technical. It's ultra melodic and it's super catchy. And because it's going like almost all the time, it has to be so thoughtfully composed because otherwise it's going to shit all over Hanzi, who is uh, obviously like this, you know, the main forefront element and it's like really carefully um like worked around the vocal melody all the time so um i didn't even really realize it because what i thought i, I liked about it was that he was fucking shredding bro <laughs> but really it's because of how well written it is yeah um yeah i mean uh, what's his name andre ulbrich yeah uh, i mean the way that he composes his melodies, it's quite, it's similar to like an orchestra. It's more that than like just, as you said, ripping leads. Because it's, he plays leads all the time. It's like, yeah. all the time. But it's so fantastic how, how it works, you know. It's, that's why they, they really stand out from other power metal bands. Also like with the er earlier stuff like, uh, you know, the Somewhere Far Beyond era. It's, it's like... Power metal, but with like a thrash element to it. It's so it's violent in a beautiful way that I love. I mean, that's somewhere far beyond that album. Is just it's also like up there with images and words. It's one of my all-time fa favorites. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I think I think they like well the one for me that that really did it because after I got into them, then I went back to somewhere far beyond. But um, for me, it was Nightfall and Middle Earth. That is still, I think, where they like really hit the the sort of crux of all of these things, and had the like really had the leads like worked in in, in the perfect way against the vocals and stuff like that. But yeah, the the old um, Hanzi playing bass era <laughs> yeah. is also really awesome stuff. Definitely more kind of yeah, a bit more metal metal and uh it's funny that you think you like say it's like orchestrated it's, it's like like an orchestra like and a lot of the times it's a fucking orchestra of guitars yeah, too yeah, yeah like layers of octaves and harmonies and stuff and then there's the orchestra of 
Hanzi's choirs of stuff. <laughs> and then sometimes there's also just a fucking orchestra. <laughs> like it's like three orchestras. Yeah. Oh my god. But and it works. It's like it's it's fucking amazing how they do it. It's like especially uh, like on uh, Night at the Opera when they really started to like do this like extreme like vocal choirs. Like it's I don't think there's any part of any song that there's not like vocal harmony. It's like Every time, always, um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty amazing how they do it. So that inspires me. Go on. <laughs> um, so what was I talking about? Yes, I was talking about how very similar we are. Um, so uh, I I guess this might become too much of an echo chamber at a certain point. We're going to be uh, like yeah. just agreeing with each other. <laughs> yeah. Let's find something that we disagree. No, yes. let's not do that. So. Let's uh, let's get back to the song. I wonder if I did. I have any other questions about the song? This isn't so much a question as a as an observation. The drum fills that come in before the chorus, all I can think of, especially because we were just thinking of '90s stuff. Let me know if if this was an inspiration for this. All I can think of is Two Princes" by the Spin Doctors. I don't think I've heard that song, but I need to. one, two. Princess Neil, before you just go ahead. Oh, now. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, now that it's uh, actually, now that you say that, yeah, it's pretty, pretty similar. But it's not an inspiration, but um, it's not a conscious inspiration, but perhaps um, it was there all along in my head. I like with drum fills, it's like, okay, I know I, I want a drum fill, but then it's like, okay, I play something on my like laps, but. And then I program it, but it's uh, it wasn't pulled out of a song. But also, like drum fills, uh, I use them quite sparingly in in songs. I'm not like when it comes to drum fills that goes over uh, vocals. Then I'm like, ooh. Then it needs to be like a, it needs to add something to to the part, I guess. Um, like accentuate like what the vocal is uh, singing or something like that but just having a transition into another part and you have this random crazy drum fill over this vocal that that's uh, sacrilegious to me i like that yeah i think people do tend to go a bit nuts with the drums i mean especially in heavy music because the drums are so important i was at a local show pretty recently actually this past weekend and lot of not great bands but for some reason a lot of lame bands with really awesome drummers so i just watched the drummers i was like all right the rest of what's going on is pretty whatever but i'm like i'm over there watching the drummers and you know in in heavy music if you don't have a great drummer you don't really have a band more than anything else that's a bit of a tough spot because then you want to you want to use them to their full advantage but like you're saying like it's pretty easy for them to forget about the most important element of any song which is the lead vocal yeah so that's good advice a drum fill over a vocal is generally a no no yeah or at least if it's if it's really going to take away from what's going on yeah but that's the thing like in bands you know you want everyone to be on the same page and like truly listen to to what's happening and what like other people are doing that's the most important thing like you don't need to be the best drummer in the world uh, or like bass player or guitar player but if you know what other people are doing then you know what not to do um and that's you know pretty much the 
what makes or breaks a song. But of course, you know, drums are, as you say, it's a huge part, not just in metal, but in every music, like having that strong backbone with, with the bass guitar. Um, and that it's, you know, I, I love to like just, just experiment with, uh, with um, like writing heavy music, but not having organic drum sounds, like using more of, you know, 80s style uh, electronic drum kits. And, you know, uh, I have some trap hi-hats in Wishing Well, like stuff like that. I think um, I'll see where the, this whole Hellis thing will go, but I think people can expect more of that. You know, more. I like the electronic elements of um, of pop music, so I'm I'm bringing it in, baby. <laughs> well, we're all looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you do with the amp because I, I didn't really notice it in in the song the first time because. The song is so awesome, but your heavy tone is not good. And now it's going to become good. <laughs> Luckily, yeah. like, if you write a great song, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Like, it barely matters. Like, like I said, until I, until you sent me the stems and I, like, listened to the guitars by themselves yeah. soloed out, I didn't even notice that they kind of sounded shitty. Yeah. Um, I mean, in a mix, you can get away with a lot more, but. I'm so glad that uh, that you're you're gonna have something that you can just and you you'll be able to plug it in directly. You won't even have to mic up a cab. That's fantastic. It's got a you know little two notes thing that'll uh, you can get a direct out, and it's the sound of the full amp power tubes and everything. If there's a built-in attenuator, so you're not just like getting some cheesy like version of it. But yeah, that's awesome. I don't have a cab. That's that's a problem, I would say. But yeah, like uh, because the guitar sound, yeah, I mean, I agree. The guitar sound, the heavy sound, it's not so heavy. It's more like uh, poopy. But uh, yeah, you know, it it works in the mix. You know, it's I mean, it's the mix overall. You know, it's not Chris Lord Alley or like anyone else. It's not amazing by any stretch of the imagination. But it gets the job done, and it's like yeah, you know, it it works. But yeah, exactly. You know, when you when you pull the guitars from from the mix and just listen to them by themselves, it's like, yeah, no. But it's like Pantera. Like those guitars sounds horrific, but they write great songs. <laughs> yeah. And for your song, honestly, if it hadn't had any guitar in it at all, I don't think it really would have suffered that much. Like I think it makes it better, but that's because I like guitar. If it had been um, some kind of I don't know, like a distorted synth or something that did accomplish basically the same thing. I don't think it would have been worse, really. I don't know that I honestly would have even really noticed. Well, obviously, if if you if it had been a synth, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't. I don't think I would have missed it. In other words, um, I think it it really puts it over the top. But the composition of the song as a whole holds together without it. And I like the mix of all of those things together, like the choices that you made for each instrument, the blending of the organic sounds, real guitars and bass, and then the synths plus um, the like organic drum sounds, even though they're not real, like sampled, sampled real drums versus like 808s, which you also had had the like kind of trappy hi-hats in there, that kind of thing. I love the the fusion of those kinds of elements, and I think it worked really well. I think the guitar thing is is awesome, and I think, of course, you are better at the guitar than you uh, than you let on. Um, and I think 
keep keep adding guitar stuff and well what i think if you want me to listen to it even more <laughs> just drop more 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 and more guitar um but oh the other thing too i think you used it like you were saying you used it very sparingly in a but in a way that that accentuated certain parts of the song you used it as another element dynamically to bring the song up and up and down you know like there's like a little bit of guitar in the very intro the chorus has these big um distorted chords and layers of clean guitar the last or the yeah the very final chorus i think there are four total guitar parts because there's the layers of heavy guitar you've got sustained chords you've got that little picky thing and then oh and you add this little funk thing in there at the end also which is very subtle but you added one guitar layer every time the chorus happens i think yeah just about and rather than it being like we are writing a song for guitar and like the, the guitar is is everything and as a guitar player i have been there but i also know now that like guitarists need to stop thinking that the guitar is everything so i think you did i think you did the song justice nothing else really matters in my opinion yeah, because yeah. but you use the guitar as another element instead of uh, being obsessive about it. So that's great. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just another part, just like the the keyboards or the drums or anything like that. And that's, I think, my, my main gripe with, like, modern metal is the fact that it's just this... It's always a wall of sound, um, uh, which it becomes quite tiresome after listening to it. So I, I like to, you know, I like to have heavy guitars in my music, but, you know, as you say, using it sparingly and not like all the time, like, like having the verse with the big guitars and the pre-chorus and the chorus and like, there's no, no way for the song to, to grow uh, like on top of that. So, um, yeah, it becomes impossible in some way. And that's also the, uh, the reason why I record guitars last. Uh, so I, yeah, I know how and where to put them basically but absolutely it's gonna be fun to to play around with the rev and see what i can what i can come up with because that guitar rig plug it ain't doing it it's, it's like <laughs> i think it's this like uh rammstein uh what's his face oh uh, yeah I, I think it's like his uh like plug and i was like, okay cool i like rammstein i mean german hey uh so i was like okay that will do it pretty much and i think like I was going to uh, like replace it later on, and then I just started to mix the track, and I was like, yeah. "Well, you know, it's got a pretty good hook, so who gives a shit?" <laughs> well, I agree, and um, I love guitar plugin like amp sim plugins. I have like basically all of them at this point, and they have gotten ridiculously good. But there's nothing better than a than the real deal, which is why I have this crazy setup um, and it will probably only get worse. But the Rev is going to have all the sounds that you could possibly need. So um, I'm also very interested to hear uh, what, how, where it goes, uh, where, what you do with it, well, how you use it and all of that. But like I was saying before, more than anything else, I'm very excited to see the trajectory of your career and uh, where, you, where you take this Hellas project, you know, because... Like you were saying, you write for other people. Um, you know, you're um, you're a working songwriter um, and all of that. But if this is indicative of what the 
what you're going to be putting out, then I want to hear a lot more of it. I want to hear the Hellas album. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or whatever. Um, so thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I know this like for a long time on a, on a Wednesday night for you. I'm, I'm free tomorrow. So I'm, I mean, I'm not going to bed. I'm going to stay awake the entire night. Party, party, party in the studio. So where can people find Hellas on the internet right now? So hopefully when uh, this video airs, my uh, Wishing Well is out on Spotify and like all the other streaming platforms. Um, so you can find it there. I've also um, Instagram that I'm going to be posting uh, covers, me playing guitar, me singing, me doing s- stuff in the studio, you know, whatever, you know playing drums, who knows? Just stuff, pretty much. Um, and also, like, keeping uh, people updated on, on new songs and stuff. And, um, yeah. What's the, uh, what, will, what will the handle be? I'm, I'm going to follow you right now. It's hellis underscore music, because somebody has already stolen just hellis. I wonder how much she wants for me to get that name. Mm, mm. Might be worth it. Might be worth might it. Be worth it. Who knows? If um, any one of you listening to this or watching this video like my music, you're more than welcome to uh, to listen to the song on Spotify and perhaps even follow me on Spotify. That would mean a lot to me. Um, I'm super, also I have to say that I'm super thankful for all the support and the, the, the kind words that I've uh, received uh, on Wishing Well. It means the world to me. It's so much fun to read. And also reading the negative comments, that's also amazing. I like that. That's pure garbage. <laughs> it's something, I don't know. It feels, um, I like to, to read negative comments because it feels real in some way. I, and I, I'd rather have uh, like 50% of people hating me and my music and 50% loving me than having like 100% be indifferent about me. That's just an empty void. Rather some hate and some love than just indifference. Words of wisdom. Great, dude. Well, good luck. It's rough out there. So we're all going to be rooting for you. And um, congratulations again on winning the contest. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. (laughs) Yeah, this was super fun. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast. New episodes of the podcast every Wednesday, so be sure to follow and subscribe on all major podcast platforms. And the recording of every episode is streamed on the YouTube channel, so head over to youtube.com slash geargods every Monday at 11 a.m. PST to see those. And I'll see you real soon.